The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. It is time to ask the expert. This week it's motoring with Geraldine Herbert, motoring editor at the Sunday Independent. And if you have any questions, as I said, for Geraldine on motoring, get them in. The WhatsApp number I never mentioned there was 0871400106. Uh, we, we need your questions. I mean, Geraldine, it's great to have you here. You must get the same questions all the time, right? What's the most common? Let's start with the most common one you're receiving at the moment. Well, the one I, I regularly get is somebody will ask me what I think of a car and I always know they've actually decided to buy that car. So then you go, yeah, it's, it's actually a really good car regardless. And then they go, great, because I've just put a deposit on it. So that that's normally the one I get all the time. Well, the first text straight in, straight away and keep them flying in. 53106. Hi, could you ask Geraldine Herbert, the car expert, my question, please? I am due to return or keep a car that has uh, that I have on PCP and don't have the lump payment for the end of the agreement. Mm. Is it possible for me to keep the car by taking out a new loan for the same car? Much appreciated. Thank you. OK, first thing, PCP is not great for buying a car. PCP works much better if you want the use of a car for three years. That's why the repayments are very low. And most people don't pay for the car, buy the car at the end. If you want to buy a car, you're far better off getting a bank loan or a credit union loan and spreading your repayments over five years. The problem with PCP, it's low repayments and then you have that a big um, loan payment. Your position now, if you want to keep the car, you have to go and get a credit union loan or something like that to pay that up. So it's not ideal. Um So that really is your only option unless you want to roll on. Now, what you can do is just roll on to another PCP. Now, when you took out that contract, they would have the dealer would have said to you, right, your car that you're buying now, that's worth 20,000. When you return it, it should be worth maybe 23,000. Secondhand cars are really, really high at the moment. The prices are. So it might be worth more than that. If it's worth more, you can take that equity. So say it's worth 24,000 and they thought it was 23,000. You can take that 1,000 and use it for a deposit on another PCP. Now, that's not what you're asking. You want to keep that car, mm. but do consider rolling over to another one because that's a possibility. Your possibility for another car is not necessarily keeping the one you have. You could roll on to another PCP. God, it's tricky, the finance side of it. I never thought we our first question would be about the finance end of it, but I guess it's such a huge part of it, especially in a yeah. cost of living crisis. Now, my position is that I moved home to Ireland um, after 10 years with a car that was registered in the UK. Mm. I jumped through all the hoops to register it here. Mm. Did everything above board. It was told you can't sell it for another 12 months. It has to be in the country 12 months before you can sell it. Is that correct? I wasn't aware of that one, but I presume there's, you see, there's a stipulation around you can bring in a car to if you say it's your own or whatever. The problem is what they don't want is using that as a loophole mm-hmm. to bring in imported cars. So they will have various provisions there to ensure that it is actually your car. So you need to be careful about that because otherwise you'd open the floodgates to all sorts of people coming in and going, actually, no, it's my car, sitting on it for a month or two and then selling it on. So there probably is some sort of a provision there. I mean, normally... Um, when you're bringing a car like that, you're not going to be selling it anyway because you've just brought it in and you're, yeah. you know, you've probably more things in your mind than yes, changing your car. Definitely. So, um, but yeah, they, they have various stipulations to stop people using various different excuses to bring in imported cars. Oh, yeah. That said, I mean, I mean I, people don't bring in imported cars in the numbers they used to because of Brexit. It's just not financially well, the, viable. The hoops are significant. I mean, they wanted, you mm. know, our toll bills 
results for to prove that this was the family car for the time. And anybody listening to this who's moved back will know. Question in from Mark in Kenmare. Hi, are the VRT rules changing from August 1st for imports from the UK? So on the same subject. Not for private buyers. This is part of, you know, the Windsor Agreement, which is the sort of renegotiation of the Brexit deal. So it makes things different. So it looks like... Um, uh, car dealers will be able to claim back. I think it's sixteen percent of that additional because the, the since Brexit now you have to pay VAT. You have to always had to pay VRT. In some cases, it's customs duty, so it's made imports really really expensive. So it now looks like they'll be able to, as I said, claim back about sixteen percent of what they're paying. But whether they pass that on to the consumer is another thing, and it won't be for your average buyer. Mm. It'll be for de- it's a dealership thing, I so see. it's not. Now, it should make a difference to the, the supply of second-hand cars. It should make a difference to the price, but we've yet to see. 53106 is the text mm. number if you have a question for Geraldine mm. Herbert, our car expert who's mm. in, she's the motoring editor for the Sunday Independent. Now, Geraldine, before mm. I read out our next text, I it was my first experience buying a used car. Right. And I just thought it was amazing at the time. And I'm sure other people will want to ask similar questions. I felt like I needed a 10 step tick box of what I need to check Mm. with the dealer before I put down the money to buy a used Mm. car. A couple of things I didn't notice that were wrong with it when I bought it. A couple of chips in the uh, windscreen. Just just didn't spot Mm. them. Tiny little little something. I can't go back, obviously, once money's exchanged hands, can I? Well, no, you, I mean, it's up to you to spot all those yeah, things in it. advance. And yeah. Another thing, the electrics, the uh, Bluetooth doesn't connect to the phone. For example, if somebody finds they've bought the, mm. their car and the Bluetooth won't connect to the phone or keeps jumping off the phone and there's something in the contract to say, well, you know, oh, if there's an issue with the electrics, that's on you. Are they allowed to say that, number one? And if there is a significant issue or what they would regard as an insignificant issue, such as the Bluetooth being a problem, I can't listen to my music. Mm. Uh, What grounds, where do you stand with a dealer there? Okay, the one advantage to buying from a dealer is you have consumer protection. If you buy privately, you have literally nothing, Charlotte. So really, really think about that. You might be, it might look like a better deal buying privately, but you have literally no comeback. Um, if you buy from a dealer, one of the things is it has to be fit for purpose. So it has to be roadworthy. It has to be as described. So if you were told there were certain things about the car, it has to conform to that, right? Gotcha. Um, and there are the things. So you, you do have that protection and you can go back. Now, if you buy from a dealer and it's um, a SIMI approved dealer, you can always go to them if you say, listen, I'm getting nowhere with the dealer. So you have that protection. But no, basically, they have to sell you what they said they sold you. That's the thing. So the you do have comeback on that. There's no doubt about that. And always and for that reason, I'd always pay the extra price and go to a dealership because you are, you know, you are protected by consumer law. Now, do you get friends going, Geraldine, I'm thinking about buying a car. Will you come with me? And we'll we'll have a look at it together. Do you have friends doing yeah, that yeah. to you all the time? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a vital service. You probably charge for that because that is just like, I don't know what I'm looking at when I'm looking at certain cars. I'm just like, what what am I meant to be checking? Yeah, I one thing that people really underestimate is the importance of a test drive. And they might take it for 20 minutes and the dealer might be talking to them or it's, he might have oh, sent somebody yeah. out in the car and they come back and they haven't got a notion oh, what yeah, the car was like. Oh away, turning up the radio yeah, for blast. Yeah, this is the thing you really have to be careful about. And pers- one thing I would have say to somebody who's buying a new car, particularly an electric car, if they've never had one before. And I had a lady on to me about two weeks ago and I said to her, ask the dealership for actually a, a weekend test drive because you really have to get to grips with what it's like to live with an electric car. But if you've got your half an hour test drive or whatever, things you want to check is make sure everything feels smooth. There's no weird noises 
Jesus. And I mean, that's that's the best way to describe it for people who don't know yeah. about car. And it might that mean nothing... you saying to the dealer, quiet now. Yeah. Turn off the radio, listen to the car, make sure everything feels smooth. Also, another thing as well is make sure that the wear and tear inside the car tallies with the mileage. So if you have very high mileage, you're expecting to see lots of wear and tear. If you've lots of wear and tear, but low mileage... That That's might fine. send alarm bells. Now, yeah. again, that'll be more buying privately. But the other thing is as well, if you have car seats, you know, these Isofix, very heavy car seats for kids, bring them, make sure they fit. They if you play golf regularly, make sure the golf clubs fit in the boot. Oh make sure you yeah. can reverse the car because sometimes people get at home and think, oh my God, I never realised there were such blind spots in the yeah, car. Yeah, there's no take cameras. The, yeah, yeah, take it on a motorway, make sure it drives. And what you're looking for is this kind of balance between comfort and performance. So there's loads of things. So make yourself a list of things to check for the test drive. But the test drive is really, really important. How long should it test drive B? Well, definitely a half an hour and a mix of roads. Right. None okay. of this five minutes spin around the car park. Let's get because their questions are way better than mine. What's the <laughs> best way to run a hybrid car? Change up electrically or run on petrol slash hybrid mode? Note, I cannot get to work on a full charge. Um, as in a plug-in hybrid or a hybrid. You see, the thing so about this, they're all automatic, there, yeah. so they will just adjust to your driving. Okay. And I mean, the thing about a plug, I'd say it's a plug-in hybrid. The thing about a plug-in hybrid, to get the best out of it is you have to have a relatively um, short commute. So if you do about 30 kilometres, um, you know, to work and back, it's ideal for that. Mm, plug-in hybrids not are not ideal for yeah. motorways because then you're switching into what's normally a petrol engine. But, the you know, if you can do lowish commutes, they work perfectly. But yeah, the car adjusts for what you're doing, so... So there's no real gaming the car or... Well, there is in the sense that, as I said, driving around urban areas where you're driving slowly, that's what are, what hybrids love. They're really, really efficient. Yeah. What they don't like are motorways. Sounds like that person might need to change their car. That's what Geraldine is asking. She's just wondering if it's worthwhile importing an EV from the UK or no. She's asking Geraldine, that's you. That's me, yeah. yeah. I was wondering if I had sent a text to myself. <laughs> Why would somebody say, hi, I'm Geraldine? <laughs> well, she could be. This is Sean. He's okay. wondering. He's not is, Geraldine at all. Is, he worth, is it worth his while importing? You see, importing has become much and much less attractive since Brexit. Because as I said, not only do you have VRT, you've always had VRT, but now you've got fat, which is you know, a, a considerable chunk. Yeah. And in some cases, you've customs, which is another 10%. It depends how much components of the car were built in the UK. So it varies from make to model. Um, but yeah, I would check it out. I mean, the problem with secondhand electric cars in Ireland at the moment is there isn't a huge supply. But again, by the time you bring it in from the UK, I'm not sure there'd be much saving. OK, I, I have a couple of quick ones for you here. The first one is, if I am hoping to sell that petrol car that I have, that I brought over, from the UK. Is this country that we're living in right now better suited to a hybrid than a charger if I don't have a charger at home? Oh, so if you don't, if you want to go electric, but you don't have a charger at home, would you consider one? Um, I tend to give the advice that I wouldn't take on an electric car at the moment if you don't have access to a home charger. And the reason for that is, number one, apart from just the convenience of knowing I can charge my car at home, it's the cost. Mm. If you're depending on the public charging network, it's considerably more expensive. The real saving with an electric car at the moment is home charging. The other thing is, unfortunately, the more electric cars we sell, and there's been 14,000 already just sold in the last six months, the more pressure that's been put on that public charging network. So we're really playing catch up with the charging network at the moment. Now, there are people I know who don't have a charger at home and actually manage. It depends if you had a charger in work, it might be. But again, you'll find that work charger is going to get more and more <laughs> demand as we go ahead. So I really think, you know, if you can do, if you can install a home charger, perfect. But if you can't, I would be, I'd be wary. I mean, I have had the nightmare of having a charged, a chargeable car 
and nowhere trying to, charge to navigate it. Ireland. Yeah. Uh, a shout out to anybody on a family holiday right now trying to do this, waiting at a waiting at a station being shouted at for spending too long at the station. What is the etiquette there? Well, you see, this is the big problem at the moment. And summertime has really thrown a light, a spotlight on our infrastructure because 80% of charging happens at home. So everybody's fine and everybody's Mm. grand. But suddenly we're all on the move. It's summertime. And people who are never in their cars are doing long journeys and are depending on the public charging network. And I've noticed more and more queues. And when there isn't queues now, if I get to a public charging and there's four spaces, I'm taking the last one. And then the one that really, really bugs me is the person who's not even got an electric car. And they're (laughs) using it as a parking space and you really see this at filling stations at at lunchtime when it's busy people just think I'll just put my car here so you've checked your app it says it's free you get there and it's not free because you can't get into it so that is Geraldine that is the bugbear of bugbears completely Geraldine Herbert from the Sunday Independent thank you so much for joining us The Anton Savage Show Saturday morning at 9 on News Talk.